Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It's March 1st. We made it. Underwear Olympics are going to be going on soon. NFL Draft's going to be going on soon. We're going to have free agency soon. But before we close the book on the fantasy season that just happened, let's talk about lessons learned. Let's talk about being wrong. Let's see if we can learn something from what just happened and the stuff that we didn't get quite right. I'm Scott Pianowski, your co-host, proud sponsor of Auburn Hockey, Bryant Basketball, and Yahoo Fantasy. Of course, Yahoo Fantasy is open for business. We want to play some baseball and football is not that far down the road, so we're glad you're running with us. And who's running with me today? My buddy Dalton Deldon, our man on the ground in the Bay Area. What's going on, D3? What's up, PNL? I know we're both fighting through colds, so uh, blame the cold medicine on anything crazy, I have to say, today. I also know we're both following uh, baseball close uh, today, or these days, so what do we can talk about in football? Thankfully, producer John came up with an idea, lessons learned, players we got wrong, and I'm like, boy, there won't be short for content, the players I got wrong in the NFL this year, so uh, ha- yeah, happy to say what I, of uh, which there were plenty. You know, I think a lot of the lessons learned and a lot of the interesting discussions are in in the backfield. And and I'm going to get to that in a second. But I want to start with Jamar Chase, who I was underweight on, comes into the league. You know, what, sixth pick I think he was in the draft. He was the Bolitnikoff Award winner uh, the last year he played at LSU. He took a season off during that, you know, that messy 2020 season that was kind of ruined by COVID. And I was underweight on him. I know that the preseason story, you know, he's dropping the ball. Does he have a problem with the NFL ball? It, that's not why I didn't draft Chase. And I like Joe Burrow too, but Burrow was coming off a major injury. And my thought was like, well, T. Higgins is still a good player. And I thought Tyler Boyd would have a much bigger share in this offense than he did. I, I thought Chase had a chance to be their number one receiver, but I thought it might also be Higgins. And then, of course, you know, so Chase blows up the league. Uh, he was very impactful at the end of the season when the, the money weeks were, were going on. And then the Bengals go all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, what, what's the lesson from Jamar Chase? Did you have a lot of chase? Is there a takeaway here? Um, what can we learn from the Jamar Chase rookie season? Funny thing is, is I got a lot wrong. We're, we're rookies. You know, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, uh, I was uh, overweight on, and uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, even ETN. Uh, but Chase, I was not. This is a player I absolutely put, put it toward the top of my list. I got wrong. Maybe I fell for, for the drop issues, but more so than the preseason chatter, which if he's example A now and what to ignore, you know, to ignore that type of talk. 
Um, but there was also, he did not even play college football for been a whole year. Uh, Joe Burrow was coming off a late season ACL. You don't like to overrate schedule, but I mean, they're in a defensive division facing the Ravens twice, Steelers twice, uh, you know, and even the Browns defense looked good. There's T Higgins is going to emerge there. So yeah, you know, I wasn't super excited for year one of Jamar Chase, but here we are entering year two and he will be a top 10 on my board in PPR leagues. I mean, overall, you know, he'll be a first round pick. He was that he was that amazing his rookie season. There was something there's some stat like on go routes. Joe Burrow got 7.3 YPA last year. He got 17.3 YPA this year on go routes. It was the most unstoppable play is Jamar Chase going deep. It's all written in pencil. I think I have Cooper Cup number one on my receiver board, but that could be Justin Jefferson too. Chase Chase could be as high as three or four on my board, depending on how the Packers situation fleshes out. I do think Rodgers and Adams are going to be together again, but we, we don't know that for sure. Man, I'm so sick of the Aaron Rodgers drama, by the way. He's, he's turning into more Brett Favre by the minute. You know, it's just, just man, just, I don't know. You're a great player, but you're, you're frustrating off the field. At least you are to me. So hopefully I'll, I'll be in on the chase stuff. I, I really want a lot of Justin Jefferson. And, you know, I, mm. I wish I'd watched more of LSU. I, I certainly watched their, their bowl games and, you know, their March to the championship. In fact, one of my bold predictions in Burroughs rookie season was that he was going to have the best rookie quarterback season ever in fantasy history. And then of course that season happened. It just happened to be Justin Herbert. So I felt it, it's weird when you get validated by a player doing what you thought he might do, but it happens later. And then obviously the addition of chase was a big part of that, but I'm hoping to have chase shares next year. I mean, I hope I have a lot of Jefferson shares and uh, that LSU team. I, I may have also overrated, what Chase not playing for a season? Yeah, you know, I thought maybe there might be just a little bit of rustiness there. I, I don't know, but it sounds it all sounds silly now, right? One takeaway though is I, I'm definitely going to be more amenable to taking these receivers in round one. I've been so, so stubborn running back, running back, but I'm totally cool with taking a Justin Jefferson. Who I'm with you. I mean, obviously he's a historical first two years to begin his career, and there was some chatter. I remember coming out of LSU how he had played 99 of his snaps out of the slot, and how was that going to translate to the NFL? So there's a lot of a lot of chatter, especially for someone like myself who does not follow college. I have to really be careful because I take it all as gospel what I read because I don't I don't follow college at all until, you know, come come draft time. But I'm definitely OK with taking a, a Jefferson or Chase in, in the first 10 picks of fantasy drafts next year. At least neither one of us have ever taken Jalen Rager in front of Justin Jefferson. That's one mistake. Brutal. Yeah. Imagine doing that. Right. <laughs> imagine, imagine taking Sam Bowie in front of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Imagine taking uh, Odin before Kevin Durant. And, uh, you know, some of those great Bagley drafts. over Luca, man, Bagley over Luca Doncic was just, was just it was one of those, you know, not even to the benefit of hindsight, just so obvious at the time. But anyway, it, I'm, not yeah, that big, was, I'm not even a big NBA guy, but every every night it's like, oh, the uh, Jokic pass, which just reminded me of like the bird magic stuff I grew up with. And then that, that video of, of Curry raining all the threes and that was sick. Yeah. Um, and then what John Morant did the other oh, night, which is ridiculous. I mean, the league is in in such a great place. I always wonder if that has kicked baseball in the, in the pants a little bit. Like, you know what? We have other things to do if you don't get your act together. You know, the NBA is in a great place. The NHL is in a great place. The tournament's about to start. Um, there's, there's a really golden age of golf. If, if you want to get into golf's a great fantasy sport, by the way, I, I guarantee if anybody out there who hasn't tried fantasy golf or maybe betting or propping on golf, you know, with our partners at BetMGM or elsewhere, it's really fun. You just have to have a stake in it. You have to care about who wins. And, you know, how do you do that fantasy? I'm with anyway, you on DFS back. golf. Yeah. And NFL had what, 19 of the 20 most watched shows last year too. It's a, it's a juggernaut, obviously. So yeah, baseball, get it together. I'm with you, man. Right. 
and the NFL learned a long time ago, as much as Pete Rozelle and Paul Tagliabue and all these guys and Goodell, they'd act like they don't care about gambling and stuff like that. The NFL, the great thing about the <laughs> NFL is between gambling and fantasy, there is an interest in every game. The two worst teams can play on a Thursday night and it gets a huge rating because somebody wants to bet on it. Somebody has a fantasy interest in it. And, you know, uh, it's, it's something to be learned from that. Let's get to the backfield. The thing I got wrong more than anything, and this kills me because it was going to be one of the things I got right. I had Jonathan Taylor ranked above consensus most of the summer. I don't know exactly what the inflection point was. But then Carson Wentz got hurt. And then one of their stud linemen, Nelson, got hurt. And I thought, you know, I could see the Colts being a bad team. They think the other – I always thought Taylor was a good pass receiving back. He didn't catch the ball a lot at Wisconsin, but I thought this guy can do it. He caught, I think, 36 to 39 targets as a rookie, something like that. I think they're going to misuse him. They gave a big contract to, to one of their backup running backs. I think Hines got the big contract, or, you know, for a backup anyway, for a reserve. And I'm like, I think they're going to misuse Taylor. And I don't trust the offensive line. And I don't trust Wentz. I think they might get off to a poor start. I'm going to back off Taylor. And so what happened? They got off to an 0-3 start. They looked bad. They weren't using Taylor a lot. And late Late September, I'm feeling like, oh, okay. You know, I still love Jonathan Taylor as a player, but I think I got this right. I think fading him was the right call. And then Taylor starts to get more work and more work and more work. And finally, Frank Reich just said, screw it. We're the Jonathan Taylor show. And he blows up fantasy. And along with Cooper Cup, he was like the one guy you had to get right if you wanted to dominate your, your season. So did I overreact to the summer? Did you get Taylor right or wrong? Do you see a takeaway here? Give me your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor. Taylor, week six uh, last year at home against Houston, I remember this specifically, I used him in DFS, he had two touches at halftime. I mean, it was it was still infuriating all the way up to week six of this season. It was still like, what's going on? But yeah, I mean, just amazing ever since then. He's the best back in the league, even getting more targets, the touchdowns. I mean, Carson Wentz was not great, but it could have been a disaster had he not played. I mean, it could have been a big, big downgrade there. So, I mean, I think that was a legitimate concern. And he returned much quicker than many anticipated when those, you know, the original reports of his injury, you know, late summer. But man, Taylor, I've heard uh, someone tweet, I forgot who it was, saying there's going to be a debate at the top of drafts next year and I, I couldn't disagree more i think taylor's going to be the slam dunk number one pick in basically every single fantasy draft uh because what's not to like and you can really start having serious questions with every player after that so love taylor love the offensive line um yeah wait to leave it i think he could give him more uh, uh upside in the passing game so yeah he's a beast he jonathan taylor's a beast did i screw up by moving him down or was it just a case of things fell Taylor's way and that was hard to see ahead of time or how, how do we reconcile this? I don't know. Cause I do, like I said, I think it, there is a world out there in which Wentz doesn't return like that. And there's a big downgrade to whomever. I forget even his name, who was going to play quarterback there. Um, and Early that year, right? yeah, absolutely. I could have changed, would have been a difference, but um, so yeah, I guess not making any drastic decisions based on news there in, in late August or whatever. But um, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hit yourself for that because it could have been very differently had, uh, had there been a, a bottom barrel QB there all year. But I think it's clear now we have enough evidence that Jonathan Taylor is too good to, uh, he can overcome any coaching gaffes and he's, he's going to be their offense moving forward. And the fact that he, he claims he has not missed a practice since high school. I mean, <laughs> the durability to go with the skills is pretty impressive. I mean, uh, what's not to like about Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, coming out of Wisconsin, they talked about what a high character guy he was. He, he never missed a workout, never missed a weight room appointment, was never late for anything, just always wanted and look that's always I know this is a soft factor and it's hard to know this sometimes but I always want the players who I feel like are going to try to maximize their ability and, and truly want to be as great as they can be 
Uh, an example of this, again, it's a fantasy baseball example, and I apologize, this is a football show. I think of Marcus Simeon, uh, the uh, the middle infielder who's bounced around from Oakland to Toronto. He's going to be with the Rangers this year. He was a terrible fielder when he came up, and he had no sense of the strike zone. And he worked tirelessly to the point that he's like a gold glove level defender now, and he's, he's actually getting great play discipline. He's turned into like an MVP candidate because of hard work and because he wanted to be he wanted to maximize his ability and you know say what you want about Tom Brady that guy got everything he, he was not certainly not the most talented physically you walk, look at him in the combine he looks like a paper boy and he he got everything out of his ability you know he there were no off days and he made people around him better and then you know not everybody's like that there are players some players who you know they, they don't have great workout habits or they can, you know it's funny too like we we laugh about oh so and so is in the best shape of his life why isn't it good to you know to lose some weight or, or to, to maybe take conditioning more seriously? You know, I, I I don't know. I think that's a good thing. I it's become a meme. It's become a joke. But when I see somebody uh, who you know maybe had a weight you know issue and, and now they're in better shape, I don't know. I think that matters. I, I'm yes, it's absolutely. And by all accounts, uh, Taylor is that guy. And man, it's kind of nice being in a division with Houston and Jacksonville playing 25% of your games. I mean, Tennessee's sure. D is not that great either. So it's all, all aligning for him to just put up monster year. Let's hope he, he stays healthy over this stretch run because it's going to, he's going to carry a lot of fantasy teams to titles. I mean, he, he yeah. just, he's awesome. He's the number one pick. He'll be on a lot of magazine covers in June and July and deservedly. So let's make this more of a, of a lesson than something we got wrong. Dalton, I've been playing fantasy long enough that I remember when age 30 was the running back, you know, dead zone where it's like, okay, walk away from this guy. He's 30 now. And we're at a time where if you're any good, you come to the league after three college seasons. So you're 21 or 22 at the most as a rookie. And I'm at the point now where I don't want to go near running backs. I mean, look, it's all relative. You know, we don't hate the players. We hate the ADPs, right? This is a time you take anybody. But you think of players like Zeke. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you think of Saquon Barkley, you think of McCaffrey, you think of Henry. They all had down seasons. Uh, Alvin Kamara had by far the worst season of his career. And a lot of these guys are, you know, late in their first contract or into their second contract. I know age 30 used to be the time when you walked away from running backs. I don't know where the line is now, if it's 25, if it's 26, if it's 27, if it's just that second contract. But man, there's the lesson here is I just want to go younger and younger at running back. Taylor just blew up the league in his second season. I know the Broncos, uh, there's a news item that they're thinking about bringing Melvin Gordon back. And I don't think anybody wants that because we're all dying to draft Javante Williams next year as their lead back. And, and hopefully he'll be that second season, right? I think one of the big takeaways or lessons or just reestablishing that running back is a young man's game and you want to draft guys. I don't know what the, the age is where you get nervous. Again, maybe it's a contract thing, but is 27 the new 30? Is 26 the new 30? Is it just the second contract? I think you get the gist of what I'm saying. What say you? Especially at the running back position. I may have got uh, some misses on rookies last year at other positions, but yeah, Najee Harris was a big hit. Uh, Elijah Mitchell in between injuries was great right away. Um, and I'll tie it back to Jonathan Taylor. I, I had a decent amount of him, but I remember one specific higher stakes league I chose. I debated in my head back and forth, and I chose Ezekiel Elliott over him. Just the environment. It might have been during the Wentz uh, injury cloud of mystery, but I just I know that he was a risk at his age, but I just love and, and Pollard right there. But I just thought that they were going to score so many more points in Dallas, live in the red zone. But uh, yeah, it feels like there's a line starting at about 1,500 career carries. And uh, yeah, I want to pl- want to be a year too soon and a year too late, especially at the running back position. And yes, it's a it's definitely a, a young man's game for sure. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm the second contract as you've said. 
um, I'm, I'm going to be avoiding avoiding these backs post 25 years old, basically, which sounds crazy, but that is the safest route to take. To be fair, Elliot didn't have a bad fantasy season. I think the Cowboys were actually the highest scoring team in the league. So you got a lot of that right. It just it looks bad when you match him up against Taylor. And maybe maybe comparing Zeke to McCaffrey, Henry, Barkley is a little bit unfair because those guys were all you know negative players for fantasy. Where Ezekiel Elliott was maybe just a little bit frustrating, but he still was valuable in some on some level. So why does he feel so like he was almost? If you spend an early you know top five pick on him, you're right. He accumulated the stats, but he wasn't top fifteen on a points per game basis. That's why football is so tricky to look back at the the scoring because he certainly did not feel helpful week to week at all, especially for a first. I mean, let alone for a first round pick. But I don't know. It's tough when you look back at those compilers because Ezekiel Elliott was almost certainly not on many winning fantasy teams this year. I mean, he was he was an issue. I, I would I I'm gonna have I'm gonna be the low man on him next year. I, I can't even imagine him. He would have to be so late there's there's not a chance i might even rank tony pollard ahead of zeke next year i mean i i want no part of the of the running backs on that downstage of their career yeah for sure i need to be getting such a huge discount on him uh barkley the same way let's talk about a running back now austin eckler is a favorite of the show and, and shout out to our colleague liz loza who won an fswa award for the echoes edge program that she did with austin eckler eckler had a bang up fantasy season he was one of the right answers this year and even when he didn't play he went on the show and told us which of his backups to pick up. I mean, he just he gets fantasy. Uh, the, the, the chemistry he had with Liz was was obvious from the first episode. So we're really proud of that show and, and props to those guys for the hardware. I know he wasn't somebody you drafted a lot this year. What's your takeaway or lesson learned with Austin Eckler? Yeah, he's a player I got very, very wrong. Um, I, my one excuse is he had suffered that hamstring injury very right before draft season, and that really scared me. I was just very, why why introduce an injury now? There's going to be plenty of injuries throughout the season, and that worried me. He fought through that. Another concern of mine was just the, the lack of carries. It's tough to project more than 200. Well, he did that much damage in just 206 carries. I mean, it helps with Herbert, obviously, as his QB. Um, he finished second among running backs total and third points per game. He wasn't on any of my teams. It was a big swing and a miss. He's awesome. I mean, the goal line work was there. I mean, he had 12 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. I was concerned about that. Uh, he fought through the injury. He's obviously one of the game's pass catchers out of the backfield. But I don't know. Again, I, I, yeah, and you're, you're obviously bringing up the Yahoo stuff is great as well. But I see myself again being worried about him repeating next year. But it'll probably be to my detriment again. Where, what are you going to draft him next year, P? Now, he's going to be an early pick, man. He's coming off a fantastic year. He'll be top five. Yeah, he'll be a first-round pick. I'll, I'll probably be not overweight or underweight on Eckler. I'm open to drafting him. I'm not sure that I'm going to walk into the draft targeting him per se because you're going to have to pay the freight on a career season. You know, we have to be careful about coach speak in the summer. I always say one of my rules of thumb is that when they say something positive, you have to take it really carefully. When they say something negative, that usually is something that they're being serious about. The negative stuff seems more credible a lot of times than some of the positive stuff that comes out in the puff pieces. But Joe Lombardi went over to LA as their new offensive coordinator last year. And he said, look, we want to make Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara. And they basically did that. And as you said, we weren't sure about the goal line work. I think he ended the year second or third in, in uh, goal line carries or red zone carries or inside the 10, one of those metrics. Um, so they obviously had no problem with him at the goal. And I think teams are getting smarter. There was this old school thought that, okay, we're at the goal line, jumbo package, give the ball to our thickest, heaviest running back, you know, most powerful guy. 
football's a game about timing and space and being quick and making a good decision. And you know, a player like Austin Eckler in a spread formation at the goal line, good luck stopping that. I mean, I, I think teams are getting a lot smarter. Yeah. We see that the goal line, right? I mean, Cooper Cup just had this dominant fantasy season. He doesn't have a profile, a physical profile that you think, oh, he's going to score 20 touchdowns or something like that. I mean, you wouldn't say that, but I think the game's becoming more about quickness and about spacing and less about, okay, we the 6'4 guy has to catch the touchdowns and the the three hundred the 235-pound running back or the 230-pound running back is our goal line guy. I think teams are shifting away from that, and I think they're better for it. Yeah, spread them out more. Um, we saw teams struggle getting that one yard in the postseason midfield. It's just it's just infuriating how everyone gets bunched together, and it's tough. So I've, I'm with you. I, I see no reason why Eckler cannot repeat that uh, as far as scoring. But if obviously, barring health, this is pretty wild looking at the stats. Uh, Najee Harris had four more catches than Eckler and more than 100 more carries, and he finished with 40 fewer fantasy points in PPR. I mean, Eckler was just super efficient uh, there. So, yeah. What a player, and I, I swung and missed. It was definitely a, a, a lesson learned is do not, uh, do not fade Mr. Eckler. We talked about teams struggling to get a yard in the postseason. That, mean, that must mean you want to transition to the 49er part of the program. <laughs> and, man, I, I don't even know where to start, okay? Because preseason it was like, well, who do you like? Do you like Mostert? Do you like this kid Trey Sermon who they traded up for? They were both wrong answers. Mostert got hurt opening day. Sermon was a healthy scratch opening day. And when he got a chance to play this year, he looked terrible. It turned out that Eli Mitchell was their feature back. And the other guy, they threw all their chips in. And I know we weren't sure if Trey Lance would play this year. He, he had very limited time his final year in college, and he came into the league at a very young age. The Niners had a schedule that was very favorable early. So there was certainly a school of thought that maybe they'll play well with Garoppolo. Maybe Lance won't play a lot. But still, there's a lot of people out there who drafted Mostert or drafted Sermon or maybe best ball drafted Lance, even the receivers, right? I mean, the idea was that Ayuk, the two things you needed to get right this year to crush wide receiver was you had to have Debo over Ayuk, or at least preferred Debo to Ayuk at ADP, and then the Rams situation with Woods and Cup. There's a lot to unpack in San Francisco. Give me your take on it. I got the Ayuk Samuel one uh, 100% wrong myself. I thought uh, I, I was definitely overweight on Ayuk. Uh, still think he can be plenty valuable moving forward, but boy, Debo, wow, he is just... Uh... What an alpha. What a season he just had. Uh, I guess I, in a way, got Elijah Mitchell right in the sense that I was I bid 100% of my fab uh, in any league in which when he became available, uh, just because of the upside there in the Shanahan system. Uh, there is talk of Raheem Mostert. There, there is talk of bringing him back in a one-year deal, which would really obviously muddy up stuff for fantasy. But Elijah Mitchell, surprisingly, had the highest carry percentage in the NFL, higher than Najee Harris. He got more percentage of team carries when he played than any player in football as a rookie. So I think he's, from what I've seen in early ADP, looks a little undervalued. I get the injury stuff was there, but man, with Trey Lance taking over in that offense, if Mostert doesn't return, uh, Mitchell has quite a bit of upside there. But um, there'll be a lot to yet to be determined. I'm just going to go ahead and assume Jimmy G gets shipped away and Trey Lance will come with stealing some goal line touchdowns, but also that run offense is going to be very tough to defend. Where do you think Jimmy Garoppolo ends up? No clue. Ta Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh would be my guesses, but I'm, I, I have no insight at all. I'm curious. I know they're going to work with him and try to put him in a winning situation. So I don't know. How do you price Debo after getting all that? We saw a year where Patterson had this unbelievable season out of nowhere in Atlanta and Debo basically became like a hybrid player too. Are you going to expect him to run for like three or 400 yards last year? Or do you think that chasing that is a mistake? 
Honestly, Debo will probably not be on a many of my fantasy teams because he will cost a high pick. But look at those stats. How could he not? And I worry about the injury. The he's, He had Jones fracture surgery in his foot. It didn't affect him last year, but the dude is so physical, just invites punishment. I think it's a little bit of a risk how high he's going to take. And it's going to cost that high because you look at the stats, it's like, oh, if the targets aren't there, he was getting eight to 10 carries. So um, I, I don't know. I would not expect quite the same rushing production. And I w- do worry a bit about uh, the, the physicality of his play. And also the quarterback change. Uh, Lance has a stronger arm and Ayuk is more of a downfield threat. And that's why I liked Ayuk is I thought there'd be more Lance throwing him the football. So clearly Debo's emerged as one of the game's elite players. So fun to watch. And if he stays healthy, he's going to be awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I see buying next year is possibly uh, maybe too high. Since we're talking San Francisco, let's just throw one more guy in there. Just, just give me a, a quick hitter on George Kittle. Where do you think he's headed fantasy-wise? Tight end is such a if you if you get that right, you're just got such a leg up. But another guy that I just worry about the volume and the uh, the, the the durability. So Kittle, no, nah, I'm 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 going to be the guy drafting Pitts once again aggressively over say my guy Kittle. Um, yeah, I, I just worry about the the durability and the volume. Big big unknown. I will say Trey Lance. Looking at all those highlights when I was salivating uh, last year after the draft, he looked to his tight end in the red zone quite a bit. You know, that guy has three starts since 2019 or something absolutely crazy. But he when he was la- when he actually was playing football, he was looking to his tight ends quite a bit at North Dakota State in the red zone for what it's worth. But Kittle, I would imagine, is another guy. Kittle and Debo, I'll be light on. Ayuk and Mitchell and Lance, I'll be heavier on. I think one of the Trey Sermon takeaways is that even though they traded up for, for him, it doesn't mean that they can't decide by the time the real game start that maybe they made a mistake. And they obviously did the way they used Sermon. And then when he got on the field, it justified that lack of faith. You mentioned Kyle Pitts, and he's one of the guys on our rundown. So why don't we jump into him now? The funny thing about Kyle Pitts is that how you want to frame his season, you can say, well, I mean, look at the yardage, look at the, the usage, look at the final his final ranking on the tight end board, which is like five or six or seven. It was something respectable. But then he scored one touchdown. He didn't even score a touchdown in America. He scored one touchdown when they had the overseas game. I guess that could be a comment on the coaching. I guess that could be a comment on Matt Ryan. Did we learn anything from Kyle Pitts? I mean, did the people who say, hey, the rookie tight ends, they're just a, a big, you know, a mess. The, the position's too complicated. You know, you should have faded him. Or then, wait a minute, Pitts wasn't really a tight end. He was more of a receiver. He had a good season anyway. The touchdowns were unlucky. What's your takeaway? How do we unpack the Kyle Pitts rookie season? First off, I was all in on Pitts. I was drafting him aggressively in many leagues. Um, I could argue that, well, his, his year was kind of impressive. He was number one in yards per reception, number three in yards per target among tight ends, not just rookies, among all tight ends. Um, and uh, obviously he received a ton of attention to the opposing team's top corner once Ridley left. But fantasy-wise, let's not kid ourselves. He was a bust. I mean, even if you look at the overall numbers, he was sixth or whatever. But no, where, where he was being drafted and the production he was giving you on a weekly basis was a huge loss. Huge loss. But clearly the skills are there. Tight end is the slowest position. I should have you know, listened to that. It's very tough. Rookie year. But man, I thought indoors and with no one else there in Atlanta. And it, had you told me Ridley would have missed half the year too, I would have been even more excited. So I got Pitts wrong, but um, I will be more than happy to be quote unquote, to see if I've been wrong again next year. Let's put it that way. Like, I mean, Mark Andrews had everything perfect happen to him for what happened his second half. If I'm telling you right now, I'd rather Pitts than Mark Andrews next year. And I'm not even talking about cost. I mean, I, I think Pitts will have a better fantasy season and I could almost guarantee you Andrews will go higher than him in every league yeah and, and one of the reasons why I think Pitts has to go down as a fantasy loss this year is because if you took Pitts in many cases you may have taken him over Andrews you may have had oh, a choice yeah. of both of those players 
and taking Andrews might have been the difference between winning your league and, and maybe not winning it or maybe, you know, making the playoffs or not making it. That's how good Andrews was. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, Andrews was amazing. And he's always been a yards per target darling. Like, he's a really good player, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's not just like a function of his environment. But a lot of that came with Lamar Jackson out. And there's some receivers emerging there. And they're going to get, they had like 18 running backs get injured, too. I mean, it all was a perfect uh, combination of events for his second half to have him. Oh, you look at it, and he was the clear number one tight end. But I, I think next year, projection-wise, you need to bring him back to the pack a little. I think everything fell right way with him, with the other skill talent. Well, I will give him credit, though, that he produced with every quarterback. That isn't always an automatic with pass catchers, so I give him credit for that. But you're right about the the problems they had. You know, Jackson, obviously, is a, is a big mouth to feed in that offense. It's some games he didn't play. The running backs were just a mess in Baltimore, and it's just weird to see them not in the playoffs. I think they'll be back in the playoffs next year. I would probably pick them to win the division right now. We talk about backfields that are complicated that are crowded that are nebulous and if you get them right they can be real big fantasy wins Leonard Fournette wasn't a Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup but he was one of the top 10 right guys you know one of the one of the guys to hit on this year Uh, I was actually pretty much in on Fournette I feel lucky for that it just shows how much you can change your mind on a guy because two years ago I was saying this is how you start your draft get out your cheat sheet cross off Leonard Fournette and then go draft and that's how down I was on him and like a week or two later the Jaguars cut him I mean, he was almost out of football. And then this year, he was one of the fantasy right answers. So I think that underscores, again, if you see a lot of players on a good team, you might think, oh, it's too crowded. I don't want to go there. When maybe you should be saying, well, if I get the situation right, if I if I land on the right guy, look at what a profit I can make. Fournette was a really affordable player during draft season. How did you play Fournette this year? And do you have a takeaway for us on Lenny? So even though we all saw it uh, when it mattered most in their postseason Super Bowl winning run, they they relied on Fournette as their clear three down back. I uh, not only avoided uh, Leonard Fournette, I was all in on Ronald Jones at draft tables last year. He's the better player with the ball in his hands. Maybe Gio Bernard would even take away Fournette's uh, passing down work. And I just thought Jones would put in the work. And he's just, uh, you look at the, the, the underlying stats and he's just such a superior runner. Um, and then I think it was a Thursday night game in which I had uh, my big survivor uh, the pool too on, on Tampa Bay and Jones lost a fumble like immediately and was benched. And that, that's, it's, it's the story of his career. Ronald Jones is just, I mean, it's just one thing after, if it's not a drop pass, it's a fumble or it's a, a mistake in pass protection. It's just one thing after another. I got it totally wrong here. Fournette was the answer three down back getting all those catches too. Cause uh, Brady throws to his backs, even if it's not third down. So that was helpful too. Uh, obviously some injuries on their receivers. So uh, again, a perfect, he was he was very, very helpful. Uh, but next year, what do you make of Fournette? When I looked at the consensus rankings here, boy, he was a guy I lowered uh, uh, to a great degree because if there's no Brady there, I just think he was more of a product of his environment. I mean, he wasn't like breaking a lot of tackles or anything. The thing about Fournette is I think he's going to be priced very carefully. And I don't think, I think the market is going to be like, okay, he had a great season, but Brady's gone. We don't trust this offense anymore. But even with that, I think I'm going to be underweight on Fournette. He's he's almost like a do-not-draft player for me. And this is a total shift from last year. He was one of my three or four most rostered guys. But I feel very confident I will not have much of him next year. Yeah, well done on the Fournette. He must – yeah, because, I mean, that was a great call. And being the lead back on Brady and the to the Bucks was available in rounds, what, 9, 10? I mean, 11? I mean, that was a – yeah, that was a home run if you drafted Uncle Lenny. I got some things right and didn't make up for missing out on Jonathan Taylor, but it, it did help. At least got me in the playoffs if, if I didn't win the leagues that I had for net. I have CD Lamb written down, and I honestly don't know where to go with this. Now, if again, the Cowboys, I believe, were the highest scoring team in the league. And yet somehow, Elliot was just so-so. 
Dak was all right. And CeeDee Lamb, you know, he, he looked really good at times, but he had an overall disappointing season. I, I'm trying to figure out where all the points went. I, how come everybody had a disappointing year in Dallas, and yet they scored all these points? Is there a takeaway on Lamb or maybe even anything on the Cowboys that we didn't talk about already? I know we did talk about Elliott, but uh, how do we reconcile this team? I, I know they're frustrating with McCarthy, and, and Jerry Jones has too much input in decisions. Wouldn't it be fun to see a team like that with a really strong presence at head coach or GM, and they just don't have it right now, but... I don't know where to go with this because the Cowboys scored a lot of points, and I feel like we didn't get the fantasy juice that we had coming to us, and part of that is is the C.D. Lamb story. Yeah, I really wanted to highlight Lamb on the outline here because I got him I, dead wrong. I loved him. I wanted him mid-second round. I was jumping A.J. Brown in some leagues. Uh, I, I, this was weird because Dak Prescott stopped running, stayed healthy, and Ezekiel Elliott got hurt. So the running backs got hurt, and still the production was down with C.D. Lamb. I mean, it is uh, the second half. He really dropped off. There was some weird reason. I don't know. He got in some altercation on the sideline, and the production really fell off. Um, obviously, the talent is there, but um, I don't know. You look at the targets, and he, he I, I, he's definitely dropped a tier. I thought he was going to be in that you know first or second tier for the next five years. And I think you have to reevaluate things now. I mean, uh, C.D. Lamb was not, he just was not the the player I expected. I mean, the second half last year, he had 36 catches, 425 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, wow. I mean, I, I, I saw him becoming superstar this season. Let's talk about one thing I think we may have gotten right. I think this was a good year where if, if you went against some of the older receivers, if you followed that idea that once the cheese goes bad, it doesn't go good again, it would have kept you away from T.Y. Hilton or kept you away from A.J. Green. Or a lot of people were worried about Julio. And, and man, he had just about a lost season in Atlanta. We talked about where is the age where you start getting running about running backs. I, I'm at a point now, and a, and a lot of really good receivers are going to be in their late 20s or early 30s soon enough. A bunch of, of just superstars are like 28, 29 right about now. But um, where do you draw the line the receivers? Are we at the point where like anybody in their 30s at receivers like run away from those guys? Pretty much. I mean, I'm even like Keenan Allen feels ancient. He's just 29, but I feel much more comfortable uh, going with a, a young guy. So, yeah, just like running back, I'm with you. It's, it's a young sport. I, I'm going to have all the Elijah Moore, Gabriel Davis. Next year, I'll be targeting the the young guys. Of course, the rest of the league will, too. I like Jerry Judy to, to actually finally bounce back. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be again after these young guys, for sure. I don't have a great takeaway at quarterback. Josh Allen was the guy to have. A lot of quarterbacks who I thought just couldn't miss disappointed us. I mean, Mahomes was okay. Dak was okay. Kyler Murray had an up and down season. There was the injury and, and man, I don't know what's going on with his agent who just wrote like this rambling note about where Kyler Murray stands. I don't know. I don't even know if Kyler Murray's going to be in a football field next year. Uh, do you have an overarching quarterback takeaway? If you want to talk about Murray, go ahead. Uh, or maybe just talk about your quarterback strategy going into next year. What can we give people at the quarterback position? So even though it took a hit last year, I'm still interested, most interested in the guys who run. Like Jalen Hurts was still nearly top five on a per game basis, and he wasn't even that great, you know, in real life at all. Um, I think Lamar Jackson's super interesting. Was last year the beginning of uh, the start of him being injury prone or just a blip, and he's going to come back? As you look at the underlying stats, he's improved as a passer. There's some interesting receivers there. I might talk myself because he's one of these running backs that still runs. I might talk Lamar right behind Josh Allen. Because um, Patrick Mahomes only runs in the postseason, uh, Kyler Murray, who knows, and Burrow and Herbert don't really don't really run so or, you know as much. So um, I guess my other takeaway is, yeah, uh, Trey Lance. Right away, I'm going to treat him like a top ten guy because he's going to run, assuming they move on from Jimmy G. Because he's just going to run the ball, uh, and 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 uh, maybe Justin Fields there too. But really, the Russell Wilsons, a lot of the the we thought the league was going one way, and it kind of took a step back last year. I mean, even Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence, you know, really didn't do what we we had thought was was possible. 
I'm going to stock up on Trevor Lawrence in best ball or super flex. He, I got to give him a pass for being thrown into the totally worst environment possible. And granted, you know, sometimes we look at environment players like Sam Darnold and then he gets away from Adam Gase. And then, well, guess what? Maybe Sam Darnold just isn't good anyway. Cause he, you know, he had a, a moment or two in Carolina. Speaking of running, he's the guy that ran. What do you have? Like five rushing touchdowns the first month or something? <laughs> right. And, and you're so right about Hertz. I mean, nobody, underscores the gap between fantasy and reality like Jalen Hurts. I, I guess if I'm reading between the lines, you're saying it's going to be Trey Lance next year, that the Niners are going to win five games, but but Trey Lance is going to be quarterback seven. Is that Am I hearing you correctly? Uh, one part is right. He'll definitely be a top seven-ish fantasy QB, but they're they're going, uh, they, come on, this is the year, finally. Uh, no Jimmy G, why not all the way? Come on now, how dare you? I, I love the Jackson call. I, I love buying Baltimore off a dip. The, Harbaugh's such a good coach. And just so many things went wrong. I mean, they lost Dobbins right away. They lost Gus Edwards right away. Uh, the, their rookie receivers hurt for a decent chunk of the year. Um, you know, obviously, Jackson missed so much time. I believe in their infrastructure. I, I don't know what their early odds are to, to win the division or win the AFC or win the Super Bowl. But And, and I suspect they probably aren't even that good because Baltimore has been such a solid franchise. I don't. It's not like they're going to give you 40 to 1 on them or something. But I'm still curious what they're priced at. And I think Jackson... If he's if there's even a, just a tiny bit of a discount on him, man, and and, and then maybe there won't be. Maybe this is obvious and everybody will be all over this, but I think Lamar Jackson has a very plausible path to be the quarterback one next year. Oh, Ronnie Staley missed a good chunk last year. Yeah, they shot Bateman entering year two to go with the healthier Marquise Brown and Andrews. Yeah, I think wheels up and he runs. Lamar Jackson's like the game's best runner too. So yeah, I I, I would not be surprised if he went back to being fantasy QB one next year. Now after the season, Allen had. I get a figure. Not, not only is he going to be quarterback one, I could even see him be on some magazine covers. I mean, he's un- dynamic as a runner. They have good pieces there. And Buffalo has to feel like, man, we could have won the Super Bowl. If we beat the Chiefs, we would have beaten the Bengals. We would have beaten the Rams. Are you willing to pay if Allen is the quarterback one on ADP? Do you think you'll have any Allen next year? How are you going to play that? It's interesting because, yeah, it's still money in the bank. Even with the 6.8 YPA last year, the 36 touchdown passes in the running. I mean, it's just, you just the projection, the volume. He's the whole team's offense. So I have no problem with someone spending a second-round pick on Josh Allen. I mean, who, uh, whatever, as opposed to what? A bust? A running back bust? I mean, there are just so many misses. I mean, the more the more fantasy football is evolving, the more these safer plays make sense early, early. And then the super flex is the way you should be playing anyway, and then it becomes a, a whole other ballgame. But, yeah, Josh Allen is uh, is is obviously just... Uh, he's, he's kind of separating himself with, with, with uh, as we pointed out, so fewer quarterbacks running. And here he is getting 45 yards per game last year. And, and he's delivering the punishment. I always was like, is he going to withstand? You know, how, how long is he going to stay healthy? Those linebackers are the ones coming out worse for wear when those collisions, man. Josh Allen is a, is a grown man. And one more subject we can talk about. And, and think about when Josh Allen might go in a draft or Patrick Mahomes or stuff like that or when they went last year. In that same round, people might have been taking some of these quote-unquote dead zone running backs. They, they might have taken Miles Gaskin in Miami. They might have taken Mike Davis in Atlanta. I'll admit, I had uh, some Mike Davis shares. They were fifth round, sixth round. They weren't like things that killed my teams. But I thought, there's nothing else here. I hate their running back room. They're going to have to give the ball to Mike Davis. What I didn't see coming, and I don't, nobody could have seen coming, is that Cordero Patterson would basically become the team's de facto running back. At age 30, you know, I see, uh, by the way, I, he, he's going to be, I will not draft him next year. It's a great story. I just can't see that repeating. It's, it just seems like crazy to chase after that. I, I'd love to be wrong because he's a fun player, but any, any thought on the dead zone? Did we learn anything from Gaskin and Davis? Uh, what's your takeaway on that? 
I'm with you on Patterson. Great. Gr what a story. Great year last year, but uh, probably someone to avoid moving forward. Uh, yeah, it did. It did seem to be that the dead zone running back proved to be mostly true, that it was best to avoid it. Maybe there were some outliers like DeAndre Swift, who really wasn't. A, I mean, he was getting the targets, so he maybe shouldn't have been treated there. Devin Singletary, uh, I'll end with, is a guy who's going in the dead zone if uh, mid rounds in, in early uh uh, drafts or ADPs, at least I've seen. Um, and he quietly was my, Buffalo's 100% feature back the final six weeks. I Maybe that's nothing, but maybe it's something. Devin Singletary, to me, of all the players that I've looked at ADP, is like, uh, oh, that's interesting to me. He's going there. I mean, he really was this team's feature back. I know Josh Allen will take some some goal line scores, and it's not uh, an ideal situation, but Buffalo's going to score some points. And if he's emerges the number one back there, he should be like a third-round pick, not an eighth-round pick. Yeah, I think he will be a third or fourth round pick next year. And they figured out that maybe Zach Moss just can't play. Yeah. That's got to do it for this episode. Uh, feel free to get involved in the fantasy baseball game. I'm hoping there's going to be an agreement soon. Fantasy baseball, fun game, daily game. Just get it, get it together, MLB. And, uh, of course, we're going to have all sorts of coverage during the offseason in the NFL. There's no offseason in fantasy football. We know that. We're going to be talking combine, talking draft, talking free agency, Matt and Liz are going to be back on Friday with a professional football talk. I want you to check that out. And of course, get social with us. You can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. You can follow me at Scott underscore Pianowski. And make sure you're following the Yahoo Fantasy account for all your fun stuff. For Dalton, for producer John, for vitamin C, for zinc, I'm Scott Pianowski signing off. Good luck and good handling. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader